This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Delighted to be joined by Gordon Young, who has written the, the superb book, Licence to Skill, which really just encompasses a, a life in football, from playing the game to, to coaching in, in football all across the world, from Coat Bridge to Kazakhstan. Um, first of all, Gordon, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, really good. Uh, glad the book's out now, because for a, for a while there, it was uh, just kind of lying in the beams, and uh, we decided just to launch it pre-Christmas, and this is the kind of main launch in January. Um, we kind of liked it around about Burns night, so you're actually a day early. Um, so most most of the, the national launches go tomorrow, but uh, I really enjoyed doing it and I'm really glad about the positive feedback. In terms of your career, it's, it's taken you around the world. Um, as I mentioned, you've been obviously working in Latvia, you've worked in the States, you've worked in Scottish football, English football as well. How would you sum up your love of football as a youngster? Because it's clearly been a massive part of your life. I think just been brought up in, in a hotbed in Lanarkshire that everybody wanted to be a footballer and, and really a lot of people did make it at different levels that, that's the thing when, when I look now I kind of worry a wee bit that there, there's not as many people playing the game at, at all these different levels and, and you know knockbacks and hardships weren't a, weren't a bad thing for us because I had so many trials as a young kid and you know s form at Motherwell and uh, you know, eventually played with the reserves, but never broke through the first team and went down to Stockport County and came back and got reinstated junior and, you know, played, had a wee bit of an injury problem and ended up playing, you know, I think about, I don't know, 600 games at, at junior level and uh, a, a recent, decent standard and a successful one uh, with some good clubs, big clubs, well-supported clubs and uh, with, with great players. So it was just a great journey for me. Um, the coaching side of things was was never something I intended to do or pre-planned. I just kind of fell into it. Um, and, and probably the inception of the academies, uh, where a lot of emphasis was on, on technical ability, because when I did play, you know, I had a wee idea how to manipulate the ball. So uh, maybe other areas I wasn't that great at, and, you know, my size, so I, I never got ahead of the ball much. Uh, but, but working with the younger kids gave me a kind of thirst and an energy. Um, and I get great delight in seeing them improvement and you know the levels they can take the ball mastery to now is, is fantastic and in terms of the book License to Skill um, I've I read the book I was fortunate enough you, you sent me a copy um, before the official release and I absolutely loved reading it um, I spoke to Craig Brown uh, funnily enough this week he's absolutely loved reading it as well the feedback so far has been great and I suppose the main question I've got to start is why have you decided to, to write a book now? Well, um, my good friend Stuart Hall, who was a co co-author or the main author, really, um, as an ex-journalist uh, and a, a long friend, that when I would bump into people and I would tell them stories of where I'd been, they, he really loved it. And he said, you know, you really should put this down in paper. And again, I never really bothered, but it was, it was that, whatever he talks about, you know, the pandemic and lockdown. Um, in the mornings, you know, you and I have spoke about, you know, mental health issues before and um, 
you know, that was a period where everybody had to keep active. So I, I kind of took Stuart up in his offer um, to put my memoirs down into paper. And how I did it, I did a bit of physical exercise in the morning, whether it be running or, or walking mainly or cycling. And um, I, I would recall all of the, the, the events uh, incrementally from when I started coach, really finishing playing. Um, and it was fantastic because it was great for my, ther- uh, my therapy about, you know, you know, a lot of the dementia clinics, they, they talk to, to people about past events and if it's something they, they've enjoyed and that kind of stimulates their, um, their, their memory process. So if, you, if I think back to being a wee boy, we were always at school, you know, encouraged to write a diary. Uh, and, and certainly when I was away on holiday, my, my, my folks, you know, encouraged me to, to make notes of things that we'd, we'd done. So there was a wee bit of that in it. And but my, my, my story is, it's only just a, a, a recollection of events that happened in my life. If you think of you writing down all the things that you've done and how successful you've been in your career, I think everybody would get great solace. Out of and also, it's a great legacy to leave. You know, somebody did say to me, uh, it was Tam Ritchie, who's the uh, fitness coach at Cove, uh, and he couldn't believe it. He says, what a legacy you can leave. Uh, he says, your kids know what you've done in the last 25 years. And, and sometimes you forget it. And, and unless you write things down, life goes on and, you know, you go on to the next thing. So from a therapeutic uh, aspect, I would encourage people to, to write, write down their, their memoirs because I stayed away from from statistics and games. That's for the players to tell. You and I spoke about this before and some of your marvellous guests that you've had in your podcast will recall great events that they've they've um, been lucky to achieve. So my events that I was lucky to achieve were, were, were about travelling, were about experiences, were about um, the coaching in the game, the hard luck in the game, the, um, but, but a lot of great memories and working with a lot of great people. One of the key themes of the book is Motherwell Football Club in the sense that you went from being a player there to a coach to academy manager to being manager of course for a period of time as well just how special um, and how much does Motherwell mean to you because as I say it's it's quite the journey especially as it, it comes through in the book very well Well I think just growing up as a, as a Motherwell fan and, and everybody and I, I mentioned this in the book as well that if, if you're a referee you've still supported a team You've always there's there's an affiliation um, with whether you're uh, geographically uh, raised or, or whether um, uh, historically you're raised or, or how your, your your folks want to see you being involved in in, in any sport. But I was a kind of probably third generation uh, Motherwell fan, and I'd never known anything other than my dad taking me to the game, lifting me over the turnstile. I remember my dad standing at the you know I, I mentioned it at the, the floodlight. Uh, with his, with his mates that were all on the Wisher Supporters branch and they travelled to the away games um, and I, he would lift me over the, the turnstile and then I would go and meet my mates and, and the guys that I'm still friendly with now more than I played with are guys that I grew up with um, that I went to school with played uh, you know boys club football um, and went to see Mullow our, our Saturday went along the lines of, um, played for the school in the morning played with the BBs at lunchtime and went to the Mullow game in the afternoon and then played with the boys' club on the Sunday. So you, you really had your, you had as much football as you could possibly manage. 
And in terms of uh, yourself, again, what's interesting about uh, the book and what really comes through is the number of real personalities that you've worked with. You and I have spoken before about working with Craig Brown, who's of course a legend of Scottish football. In your current role, you're working with Paul Hartley, who's another icon of, of Celtic and Hearts and of course the national team as well. You, you've worked with so many people that you speak highly of, but there is a chapter in particular, uh, obviously I'm sure you won't give too much away, that, that talks about Jim Gannon. Um, the, the chapter itself... Uh, it's called Never Say Gannon Again. Uh, would you like to just give us a little tease as to what that chapter may entail? It's worth a read because you're right, I've worked with so many people and so many people that I've thought I've been worthy enough to be their colleague uh, and, and and shared um, advice with and asked my opinion on. Um, and, and you know the the, the licence to skill with was Stuart's idea, was the James Bond play in words. So all of the, the, the chapters... Are, are, are based on uh, James Bond films. So, you know, his wee poetic licence, we, we fit in that one, and it was quite uh, apt, because as much as I, I, I can't say, you know, I, I listened to Jeff Horsfield doing a, a podcast, and he hated Jim Gannon with a passion. I think he rolled about the, the car park with him and wanted to drag him off a team bus. I, I was never at that level, but I just didn't find him. He was my cup of tea. Um, he was he was actually very good tactically. He was very good um, in the recruitment side of things, and, and Motherwell benefited from a lot of players that he brought up. But his man management, um, and, and particular, I, I didn't think was was suitable for for the people that I had been used to, and a lot of the players struggled with it as well. And it was sad because. It was like when he would go off to a flyer and, and he really had to bring... I remember I took the pre-season that year with, with Stephen Cregan um, because uh, Mark McGee had left uh, and a lot of players were out of contract. So that was that was you know a catalyst for bringing in Chris Humphreys and uh, John Suttons and um, John Ruddy, Giles Coke, uh, Stephen Jennings, uh, Mukatil... Um, there were some wonderful players that, that he brought up, either on loan or, or permanent, Tom Gately, um, alongside Keith Lasley and Stephen Craig and, and uh, Stephen Hamill, who were stalwarts of the club. Jamie Murphy was breaking through at that time. And with a lot of young players that were breaking through. So it started really well, but it, it, was, a, it was a disaster waiting to happen. Um, just just with, I, I feel, Jim's attitude towards Scottish football um, not, not as much the club in particular because uh, as I say he, he brought players that would, would benefit but I think he, he had a wee kind of delusion of grandeur that he was a wee bit better than I mean I, I, there is a line in it where well, I heard him saying about SPL and he went Scottish Public and that kind of that kind of resounded round about the, the, the game and um, without getting too much away I, I remember reading a a match uh, a delegates report uh, and, and I've got a copy of it so it's not something I'm making up um, and, and the guy that, that wrote the, the, the guy who was the match delegate that day said in print Jim Gannon is easily the most offensive man I've met in Scottish football who's got a total and utter disregard for our game and that would pan out you know when, when things started to go awry and, and people started to cotton on to us and 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 if you weren't if you if you're not liked, people try a wee bit harder. So as much as that's the club that I loved, I was beginning to see people not liking us that much, um, and that started to re result in the park. And 
and the results went uh, poor and and Jim left in the in the January and, and I was caretaker manager again. So, you know, that was uh, that was probably if if you go through, you know, the seventeen chapters, it's it was never it wasn't negative. Um but you can't like everybody all the time. That's it, and, and, and you are going to get eventful times in football and, and characters that maybe, as I say, go against the grain of what you would expect. And two guys, again, I mentioned it earlier, I want to touch on them again, Archie Knox and Craig Brown. The last time uh, we spoke, you, you you likened them to Jack and Victor, the still game characters, the fact that they bounced off each other. Just what was it like for you to work with them at that stage of their career where they had, let's be honest, they'd been there and done it all at the, mo- the highest possible level with Scotland, Manchester United and others. And, and they were in, you could see the twilight years of their career, but the passion was still still as, uh, there as much as it always was. They were, and, and well, I talked about that uh, chapter uh, previously, where um, thing, things were cordial. These two completely changed that. They used the same players and got us into Europe. So the the, the ability was there, the quality was there. It was just how you manage them. And, and, I, and I kid you not, if you see these people um, managing sportsmen, which is it's not an easy task. Um, they were terrific. They were absolutely wonderful, and and they did a lot for me, which um, I, I'm so grateful for. You know, they were so they were so supportive, um, and, and and my inclusion um, with the first team, um, and they promote me at that point. I, I was still academy director, and they wanted to make me first team coach so that I could combine both roles, and and you know I would I would work with the the whole synergy. The club then had a had a, an alignment. So they, they were they were great to work with and they were they, they were incredible in their knowledge and like most of us will get Sky Sports running twenty four hours a day and I used to just sit there and anybody that came up the TV one of the two of them had met before and I'm meaning globally this thing went like every single day and normally we'd be backed up with a phone call or a text for that particular character that was on the headlines that that morning um, that that was the that was their respect that they held in the game. Something that has always fascinated me about yourself and your career, and, and you know this because I've told you this personally, is the fact that you've worked abroad. It's something that I love seeing Scots do. I love seeing Scots go and succeed in, in, in sometimes far-flung places of the world because we've got a lot of talent and I like to see it exported. In terms of yourself, you've worked at international level uh, and within Latvian domestic football. You've worked in the United States. How does working abroad compare with working in Scotland? Obviously, I know the culture's different, the fact that you could be away from your family for a period of time, but from a footballing perspective, what are the similarities and the differences? See, that, that is, you know, the, the, the question. That most most the, the first question people always ask is, what was the standard like? How does it compare, you know, with Scottish football? So I've worked in, in India, in Taiwan, in America, Latvia, um, a bit of China, um, seeing all the, the the different characteristics, but it's absorbing the culture. The main thing is when I was going to these places um, and they were wanting to hire me and, and they wanted me to put in uh, practices, whether it be in the academy level or whether it was in the first team level, whether it was international level. And what you've really got to remember is the game is still simple, and everybody's idea is cyclical. It's quite it's quite fashionable to, to see. Um, other than, than countries like Poland or, or you know, real um, dogmatic 
uh, institutions that say we will never change. A lot of things change with with, um, with fashion and style and, and, you know, people come back to playing you know, one up front or two up front. Um, and it depends on your philosophy. But if you're going into a, a foreign country and you just take in whatever you believe in and you drop it without really acknowledging the culture, the finance, the expectation, then you'll find it hard to succeed. Whereas if you go where kind of softly, softly, where covertly you can get your ideas and, and uh, your, your methodology in place, but at the same time, not pissing people off. Uh, and I hated, you know, when I heard, you know, people would just come and say, oh, no, it must be this way. You must do it this way. I was never really a, a, a great believer in that. I thought it was nicer to ask people what they thought and then kind of slide it in. It's like the old Brian Clough asking the player, you know, if he was right and he would say something and say, no, I told you the first time I was right. But there's a way of doing it uh, and you don't have to get in with your, your steel toe caps all the time. And in terms of, obviously, football, you, you mentioned the fact you've been working in football for decades. The passion that you have for football is still there to this day. You're obviously working with Paul Hartley again, this time at Cove Rangers. You've worked with Paul before, of course, at, at Falkirk as well. Just what does f- football mean to you now? Because, in my opinion, obviously, having read the book, having spoken to you on numerous occasions, football means arguably as much now to you more than it did when you started, which I think is remarkable. Would say is, and probably Paul would, would back this up because we talk about it um, a lot. It's like being in being in a real happy place. You know, sometimes I remember as a player, I, I think if you find the right club that that kind of suits you, um, you're relaxed. Um, say at the time of your life, I remember you know mid twenties that was probably the best. Uh, you know, it was consistency wise, and because everything was good in my life, you know, I'd be married and I'd have a young family. Um, and Paul and I just now, and, and we try and get this message to the players that they must enjoy this. There's, there's, there's too many times where you get setbacks and you get, you get, you know, hardships, and, and everything seems to be a continual battle. Don't unite it, for example, with a continual battle. Um, so there wasn't many times where you could really enjoy, um, you know, happy moments. Whereas we've been so fortunate um, to inherit a good bunch of players at Cove Rangers. Um, that want to get better and have got better um, and the club's uh, on the right lines. Uh, a lot of the times when you get into a club is when it's been it's been doing badly and they've got poor players and you've got to uh, reshape things but you shouldn't uh, you, you know you should really try and enjoy as much as you can. The last 18 months have highlighted to everybody that have had to make sacrifices and, and how they've gone about their business um, and the one thing I, I do feel a bit of regret is that when we ran away with the, the second division um, the year before last, the players never got their 15 minutes in the sun. I, I mentioned this in the book. You know, they were, the, the last game we played, we beat Still and Albion 7-1, and they were absolutely outstanding. Um, and although the league got, got caught short, we needed one more victory. Um, we still had some like eight games to play, but nobody was going to catch us. But what I really felt for the players was they never got that chance to be presented with a trophy with their families there and their friends there um, and, and really enjoy what was a, a wonderful season uh, and that's why I hope we can be successful this year because I would like them to enjoy that I know they've enjoyed the winning the Highland League but this is totally different I really want them to have something to look back on the memories I even looked in the club um, and there's not really any great 
um, acknowledgement of that season, which when you think it was full of firsts, you know, they get, get played the first game of the season, we beat the, the, the favourites 5-0 at home, and that kind of set the tone for the for the year. But the following week, we go down and draw 4 each Albion Rovers. So it was part of a journey um, that I think they've never really had the chance to, to bask in. And I really hope that they, they get that opportunity this year. It's definitely been a high time at, at, at Cove Rangers. You've had certainly, as, as, as those who read the book will see, you've had, had many positive memories that you've created in Scotland and, as I say, across the globe. We've spoken about this before, but you've opened up about the challenges mentally that you've suffered, um, just I suppose as, as we all do from time to time, but particularly in the, the nature of football. Fancy footballers, football coaches, as people on the telly or people on a Saturday in a stadium, and they don't quite realise that changing from job to job or losing your job for whatever reason can take its toll. One of the things that really helped you fight off depression, and you open up about this in the book, and again, we've spoken about this before, was boxing training. How important do you believe physical activity is to, to staying on top of things mentally? Of course, it can be harder than that, but how important was it for you? It was it was massive for me because I'm probably uh, guilty of people my age um, that felt speaking about it wasn't it a done thing. So therefore, the, the physical exercise was something that you could do to be seen to be, you know, not not to be macho, but that was the norm. Now, I spoke to you before about uh, going to see the doctor who was magnificent, who's a, who's a model season ticket holder, um, and he prescribed me um, some medication, which I've never taken because I went down the, the physical exercise, but that was okay getting the endorphins going and, and, and getting that, 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 reason to get up in the morning but after that you still had to fill a void in your day when you then doubted you know where your where your next move was coming from and because i'd never been in that situation before um that was a bit of a struggle because right at the the, the onset once i left london united i had a few offers and i didn't think they were right for me um and, and this is one of the things that i, I enjoyed uh, recalling in the book was about all the hard luck stories or all the crossbars I hit um, and maybe they weren't meant to be for, for whatever reason about not actually getting that uh, you know the particular job um, but th- this was happening on a regular basis and eventually you start to feel a wee bit lower and a bit lower um, and the boxing uh, definitely helped me um, even to take your aggression out is, is something which is, is pretty good but the discipline um, and, and because I, would all, I was always coaching people I just switched off to my mate who would tell me what combination to throw and tell me what exercise to do. So that was brilliant for me because I wasn't in control. Somebody was telling me this is what you and pushing me. And and it was hard and put a lot of demands on me. Um but I, I would really recommend to people that there's no there's no shame if you don't feel particularly well. If you if you break your knee, or you're sorry, break your leg you'll go and get a stookie on it. But if you break your mind, you've got to go and get a different type of stookie. You've got to ask, you've got to talk to people. And there's so many organisations there. Or just your mate is, is, is a barrier to break. You know, that I, I think now I would have handled it completely different because I, I see how much um, has gone into um, the education of, of, of society in general. 
Um, and there'll be a lot of people having been through, uh, through the pandemic and suffering, you know, um, real episodes of lockdown or um, having to shield, uh, which human beings thrive in company. Uh, and, and nobody likes loneliness. Nobody likes, you know, misery. Misery, misery brings you down. So the more you can interact with people and, and, and help other, other people, the better you'll be. I, I completely agree with that and in terms of the book I personally can't recommend it highly enough um, and I know I'll ask you in a wee sec about the details of where people can buy the book because for me there's humour in the book, um, there are stories about travelling the world which again is something that I'm particularly interested in but as we've just talked about there, there is that side of the book where you are honest, it isn't all sunshine and rainbows, you do have challenges in life, you do have challenges in your job and, and in your life and I think it's important that, that people can understand that and fully appreciate it. The way that the book is rounded up, I won't give too much away, um, but you've been in the in the game for, for just about two and a half decades and I'm sure there are many more highlights to come and I quite like one of the lines towards the end of the book which says, only a bottle or two time, me and my bluetooth mate with a pen and notepad will tell what will come in the future. So it's a great book, I hope people um, read it, but I'm sure there will be more to come in the future. But just before you go, Gordon, where can people access the book and, and follow your progress on Twitter? Because there's been some really good videos on there as well. Well, I wasn't a big uh, social media um, subscriber and user. Um, and for no other reason that I didn't really like to take pictures of my dinner and, and show other people. Um, but getting away from being a 24-7 uh, social media uh, addict, we created a license to skill um, a Twitter handle, um, and you can buy the book through Amazon. Um, so if you follow Gordon Young License to Skill on Twitter, or if you search under License to Skill on Amazon, um, you'll find the book. And if you enjoyed it, I wrote it. And if you didn't enjoy it, Stuart Hall wrote it. <laughs> There's no better way to end than that. Thanks very much for your time. So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a